Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Isaiah 59 is where I'd like to start. And I want to um, deal with an important subject to every believer. And it is the uh, importance of our confidence in our communication with God. And uh, I'm, I'm titling this Answers from Heaven. And I think it is so interesting how the Lord has already told us answers are available. Amen? Answers are available. The the confidence that we have when we come to Him makes a big difference. He says we need to ask in faith. And I'm not talking about the prayer of faith today, but I'm talking about having faith when I pray. There is a difference in the prayer of faith and, and... and other types of prayer. The prayer of faith is a specific laying hold of something that is mine in redemption. It's mine by the written word. It's mine by the covenant. And I, by the prayer of faith, lay hold of it. And I believe and I receive. And I begin to thank God from that moment on. Uh, But there are other types of prayer. There are other prayers. There are uh, prayers of intercession. There are supplications. There are prayers of consecration. For instance, Jesus prayed, Father, if it be your will, when he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it be your will. And uh, he used the word if. He used the word if. He was bringing his will into consecration, submitting it to the will of God. And he used that word if. And because of that, a lot of people over the years have pulled that word if over and tried to use it in a prayer of faith. And they would say, Lord, if it be your will to heal me. But healing is something that is mine by covenant. It's mine already established in redemption. Jesus paid the price for healing. And that would be like somebody saying, Lord, if it's your will to save me. Well, it's God's will to save whosoever calls on the name of Jesus. It's His will because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price and make available salvation for whosoever will call on Jesus as Lord Salvation is, is, is already the will of God. It's already established in redemption. And so we never have to ask God if He wants to save us. We wouldn't preach it that way, would we? We, we? we wouldn't preach to somebody, if God wants you saved, you can come to this altar. How many people would be successful in, in receiving salvation if they were unsure if it was His will or not? Because, I mean, there's enough just in your emotions from all of the wrongs that we've done before Christ. A person at the altar would say, well, I don't feel like I'm saved. And therefore, they they wouldn't receive because it has to be by faith. You know, when when I received Him, 
as my Lord and my Savior, it wasn't anything that I would have recognized that came to me and said, this is how righteousness feels. I'd never been righteous. I don't know how it felt. I had never been saved. I didn't know how it would feel. Do, do you understand that there are things that we take by faith because God said it and feelings will line up with it? Uh, Brother Hagen was having an a altar call one day and he said uh, it wasn't his church. It was a church that he was in for a number of weeks and so it, there were meetings that were going on consistently after this altar call. This altar call happened and this man came up and afterward, he, they, he, he came up to receive Jesus as Lord. And uh, afterward, he told Brother Hagen, I received Jesus as Lord. I came back to the Lord tonight. I repented and, and I gave my heart to him and, and I got saved. And one of the ushers, uh, one of the deacons who was standing there said, well, did you cry? Did you, did, you, did you repent? I mean, were there tears? I mean, did, did you feel the Holy Spirit come on you? And he said, no. I, I, just, I just prayed the prayer and said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I come back to you. I give my heart to you. And the deacon said, you're not saved. You didn't get it. You didn't get it. And the man said, well, the scripture said, if I will confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me. I mean, the man had been in church before. He'd backslid to come back. And so he knew what the scripture said. And Brother Hagin said, he was doing pretty good. I thought I'd just leave him alone. He, was, he, he wasn't being bothered by what the deacon was saying. And the deacon said, oh, brother, you didn't get it. You didn't get it if you didn't cry. You didn't get it if you didn't have, have all that sorrow. And so he said, he said, yeah, I got it. I got it, brother. And it said, if I will confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. So, so I got it. And, and he said, you didn't get it. And, and just stayed with that, that assumption. And so the next night he came back and he said, he didn't get it. You didn't get it. He kept telling that man, you didn't get it. And so the man said, yeah, I got it. I got it. I repented. I did just what First John tells me. I confessed my sin. He's faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from my unrighteousness. I came back to the Lord. I called on his name. I got it. He said, you didn't cry, you didn't get it. And so, so uh, about two weeks into this meeting, after this altar call, the man said, he said, I was on the job. He's a foreman on his job. And he said, I just all of a sudden said, hallelujah. And some of the workers under him said, what was that? And he said, I, I got saved. I got saved. He said, I, I knew I had it. But the feeling of it, the, the, the recognition in, in my emotions, the recognition in my mind, he knew it by faith that he had it. And then three weeks later, he, two weeks later, he feels it. He came back and he was like, whoa, it hit me today. It hit me. I got, I, he, but he had all, all, all the time been saying, I got it. I got it. Hallelujah. And so that's why there are things that we take because the Word says, if you will repent and call on the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to. Well, healing is the same way. I don't wait till the symptoms come. Symptoms are not evidence that I'm healed or not healed. Symptoms are not evidence that I'm healed. Where does my evidence come from? 
God's Word said Jesus bore the stripes and by His stripes I was healed. So I don't need the symptoms to prove to me. The symptoms will change as I stay hold in faith to what I've laid hold of in the Word of God. That's true with anything that is ours in redemption. God's provision financially, Jesus became poor to redeem us from poverty so that through His poverty we might be rich. And so that's up to us to lay hold and say, I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus. I am not going to struggle. I am not going to have financial lack. I am thriving because I'm in the kingdom. And in the kingdom I give and it's given unto me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. God causes people to give into my life. I thank you, Lord, that I have all sufficiency in all things I abound to every good work. You have enriched me to all bountifulness which causes through me thanksgiving unto God. Hallelujah. Whether my financial symptoms agree with that or not, I'm not going to wait till I see it to say I have it. Because that's not faith. So faith is able to lay hold on every spiritual provision in Christ, everything that pertains to life and godliness that is given to us through the exceeding great and precious promises, faith can receive it and bring it into manifestation. That's the application of faith. That's the prayer of faith. But we need to bring the same force of faith when we pray in other directions. When we pray for things that are not concerning us individually and our redemption, we still need to have faith in the praying. We need to have a confidence that God hears me. We need to have a confidence that He's going to respond to me when I pray. And so let's look over here at Isaiah 59 and verse 1. 59 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. This word save is not just limited to our being born again, our salvation of our soul, our our spirit being made alive unto God in Christ Jesus. This word save means rescue. It includes the rescue of our spirit being born again. It includes that new birth, but this word means to rescue, to deliver, to liberate, to restore to wholeness. Nothing missing, nothing broken. That is in this word, save. God's hand is not limited that it cannot rescue you. You can't go to a place God can't rescue. You can't enter into an area. If your heart is open to God, if you are dependent upon Him, He can rescue you no matter how impossible the situation looks. We've got to always keep that God factor in every equation. I, I, I tell the story. 
often of that mother who spilled the hot grease on her baby and it melted the skin off of his body and the doctor said it's impossible there are not any skin buds left to grow any skin we don't have enough skin to do a skin graft if they would have gone by what medical science offered them if they would have gone by what the situation looked like if can you imagine the 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 condemnation that woman must have felt can you imagine the guilt I have poured hot grease can you imagine what that woman how does a woman who in that position turn to God I mean you have to believe God's a merciful God you have to believe God can hear me he can help me I've done something that 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 is is so beyond thinking I mean beyond uh, what your mind could fathom but she had to turn to God and God completely restored that child. The doctor said he would never have a normal life. He went on to play football, graduate high school, no scars, no, his, his skin grew back. God did that, but they took the limit off of God and said, God, this is not something out God, outside of God's scope. This is not something that God says is too big for him. God's hand is not shortened. God's hand is not shortened. God's hand is not limited. There's not an area that he can't reach. There's not an area that he can't turn. Hallelujah. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy. God's ear is not, that word means dull or calloused. Do you remember Jesus used this in Matthew 13? In Matthew 13, he said, they asked him, why do you speak to people in parables? And he said, because their ear is dull. Their ears they have closed. Their eyes they're squinting at the light. They're, they, they are, they're closing their ears to what I'm saying. And when I've used this example before, but when one of my children uh, got to a certain age, she had so many questions and just monotonous all day long. Mommy, why? Mommy, why? Mommy, why is the sky blue? Mommy, why does the clouds look like that? Mommy, why? Mommy, why? Mommy, why? Mommy, why? Until after a while, I learned how to tune her out. She would say it and it would just... And I could just go on and think about whatever I needed to think about. And one day we were in the church... And I was talking with someone and she was trying to get my attention and she said, Mommy, 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 Mommy. And, and I was talking and all of a sudden she said, Pastor Michelle. <laughs> and I turned immediately. <laughs> Pastor Michelle got my attention. My ear was open to that. My ear, the, the volume turned down on Mommy. I, I, I just didn't even hear that anymore. But as soon as she said, Pastor Michelle, I just turned around and she said, Mom. <laughs> but this is an example of how we can, how Jesus said their ears are dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. Well, this scripture is saying God's ear is not dull of hearing. He has got perfect Hearing capability. He, he is so amazing that he can hear all of our prayers. We could all 
began to pray at, at the very same moment all over the entire earth. All of the believers can pray at one time and it all comes to his ears and he hears it and understands it and responds. Nobody's, get, nobody gets lost in the, in the party line. Y'all remember the party line? The telephone, you got everybody on the party line? Knowing your business? You pick up the line and like your neighbor's on the phone and you didn't know they were on the phone? The party line. Hallelujah. We've all got a direct line to the Father. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. Psalm 34 and verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Everything you lift up your voice to him about, he hears you. His ears are open unto your cry. Same chapter, verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. He hears and responds. He hears and responds. His hand is not shortened. His ear is not heavy. He can hear us. He can respond to us. Hallelujah. Psalm 145 verse 18 and 19. One forty-five, verse eighteen. The Lord is near. Whoo, glory! Thank you, Lord. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near unto all that call upon Him. He's near. He's not a far away God. He's an ever-present help. Ooh, thank you, Lord. He's not far away. He's not, it's not going to take him a long time to get to you. He, he's not, he's not uh, somewhere busy on another assignment. He is near. He is near. He's ever-present. Ever-present help. Ever-present help. He's near to all that call upon him. Is our calling upon him important? He's near, but he needs us to do the calling. There are things that we've got to initiate. There are things that we've got to flip the light switch on. There are things that we've got to start the action of in the asking. He's ready. He is able. But there is an asking that will uh, authorize him to work in a situation. Hallelujah. The Lord is near unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them who respect and fear him, he also will hear their cry and rescue, liberate, restore, save them. He will hear their cry. So what I see from these scriptures all coming together is that the calling, the crying, the lifting up of our voice, the opening of our mouth to ask him to do something is what is necessary from our part. We've got to know that he hears us and we've got to ask him. We've got to ask him. 
Hallelujah. Gloria Copeland was in a car and she said a car in front of her went up on, you know how they have those little like um, median things that are, are put out when they're doing construction on the road and it kind of has a slope and it goes up. She said the car in front of her hit one of those and went up on its side and she said all of a sudden out of her mouth she said in Jesus name and when her voice uttered the words the name of Jesus the car went back down. What if she hadn't uttered the words in Jesus name? Her car would have been hitting that car, right? It would it would have caused a wreck that could have damaged her car. But she had to call. God was, he was there, he was willing, he was ready. You know, it says the angels hearken to the voice of God's word. The angels that are encamped around us. And, and, and when I was here receiving what the Lord was speaking to us this morning, it, and he said, look, look, look in the spirit. When, when, there's more help around you than you know. There's more help around you than you know. And the story that comes to my mind in that is the, the, the servant who said to uh, Elisha, we're, we're surrounded. The enemy's all around us. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And when the Lord opened his eyes, he saw there were much more angels and chariots of angels. And I mean, there was, there were surrounding the surrounding army. There was an army of angels. And he said, oh, master, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I thought we were outnumbered, but there'd be much more for us <laughs> than there is against us. Hallelujah. But yet they're going to hearken not to our need, they're going to hearken to our calling on the Lord. They're going to hearken as we're calling out the word, calling out the name. So I want us to see that our, our calling is important in His responding. Our praying is important in God responding. Revelation chapter 5 Verse 8. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of, of incense, odors, incense, my center column reference says, which are the prayers of saints. Well, I hope that you know you are a saint. This is not talking about St. Peter and St. Paul. This is talking about St. Vernon and St. Irma and St. Billy. Hallelujah. St. Wanda, St. Mary. Hallelujah. You, me. This is talking about us. We're the saints. This is, this is talking about us. We, we have to identify where our prayers are. This is a, an illustration of what's happening at the throne of God. And our prayers are there. 
at the throne of God, the prayers of God's people, the prayers of His righteous ones. Look at chapter 8 and verse 3. Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints. With the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the pastors. Is that what it said? The prayers of the evangelists. Uh, the prayers of the apostles. This is the prayers of the saints. The prayers of all saints, verse 3. The prayers of the saints, verse 4, which ascended up before God. So this is where our prayers are. At the throne of God. At the throne of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your prayers reach God's throne. Your prayers reach His ears. He hears your prayers. He hears and responds. He hears and answers. Hallelujah. My prayers are not more powerful than yours. My prayers don't have a greater uh, impact than yours. All of our prayers are received. I may have authority to pray in certain areas. That, that other, For instance, in your life, I have the authority to pray for you like other pastors wouldn't have over you. Why? Because you're submitted to this house. I am not only authorized, but I, it has been delegated to me the privilege of praying over your life and over your family. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over my children. I can pray things over my children. You can't pray for my children. Why? Because I do have an area of, of authority in their lives. I have a, a place in their family that I, I can stand in that uh, uh, bloodline and, and call for that. But yet, it, when we're talking about our, our prayer for the president, when we're talking about our prayer for, for other, other things, we all have a responsibility and an ability, a privilege of having access to God. Amen. Hallelujah. So with this knowledge of God's hearing, uh, so let's go back and learn something Jesus taught about prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The disciples asked him about prayer. And Jesus is teaching him, teaching in this, uh, in this chapter, he's teaching uh, uh, on a, a lot of different things. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's dealing with a lot of areas and establishing some things. And he says in verse 9, After this manner pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, for the sake of what we are emphasizing today, this is the one element from this prayer I want us to give emphasis to. If it's God's will already, why do I need to pray it? 
If God's, if it's God's will, why did Jesus instruct us to ask for it to be done? Why did Jesus instruct us to pray for what God's will is to be done in the earth? Well, as we recognize from our different studies that we've done on authority, you know, Pastor did 21 weeks on exercising our authority. I've done uh, 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 six weeks on our authority in Christ. I think it was four, maybe six. Uh, He calls mine a (laughs) mini-series. Well, I'm endeavoring. <laughs> he, I, I'm teasing. He, he does not tease me like that. I, I tease him. Uh, he, uh, so we've, we've done a lot about authority. And in recognizing authority, God delegated authority on the earth to mankind. He gave man authority. And when Jesus came and reestablished redemption for mankind or established God's plan, reestablished God's plan in the redemption, he brought us back into the delegated authority. He said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Now you go in my name. You represent who I am. You represent the will of God. Make disciples of men, you know, uh, teaching uh, them uh, uh, the, the ways of God. So he delegated that authority to us. And so what God wants done on earth, he has to have the agreement of the righteous on the earth. He needs our agreement for it to legally be on the earth, his will be done. He needs our agreement. He needs our initiating it. He needs our coming and calling for it. Hallelujah. Uh, in the early 50s, when Brother Hagen was still pastoring, he said across America there was very little moving of the Spirit in the churches overall. There was very, very little power gifts in manifestation. And one day the Lord directed him to Acts chapter 4 where they said, Lord, grant unto your servants boldness and stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus. And the the Lord pointed out to him, that's a prayer for the power gifts to be in operation. They prayed for the power gifts to be in operation. They prayed, stretch forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders would be done. And when I refer to the power gifts, I'm talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he lists the gifts of the Spirit And in those gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of healings, the gifts of uh, the working of miracles, those are responsible for those healings and those signs and wonders to be done. So the Lord was directing him. He said, I don't think I was the only person praying for it, but I began to pray for the power gifts to be in manifestation. And he used that verse in Acts chapter 4. Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal. Throughout the churches in America, stretch forth your hand to heal. Throughout this country, Lord, that signs and wonders would be done. Well, just towards that, that end of the 50s, we, or the middle of the 50s, we see God raising up supernatural workings 
in those tent ministries, those ministries that went all across America, Amy Simple McPherson, uh, 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 different ones, uh, uh, Jack Coe, uh, uh, Billy Branham, all of those different, uh, uh, Oral Roberts. I mean, if, if you look back in history, I mean, there was one picture I saw of uh, a meeting after Amy Simple McPherson had had a meeting where she stood and prayed for people until she had sweated puddles in her shoes. I mean, there was water standing in her shoes. She had prayed for people. And they had to bring trucks. There's a picture that... Amen. ...that were left because people just left their wheel. They didn't need them. They left their wheelchairs, they left their walkers, they left their crutches, they left these things, they didn't need them anymore. Mass healings, mass healings. And when you look at that, you're like, wow, wow. Her first miracle, she, she had been on, Amy Simple McPherson had been, Brother Hagen said he, he thought her ministry had more signs and wonders than all of the other healing ministers of that day put together. And her husband, her first, uh, she had... Uh, I think her first husband died on the mission field. And um, the, her second husband, he was a teacher, but not really uh, one moving in the gifts. And she was in a church, and the, the pastor had said, I need you to preach today. And her husband may have been traveling, ministering somewhere else, and he put the pressure on her to preach. And uh, at the end of the service, uh, God dealt with her, there was a baby who had um, no eyes formed in his head. I mean, he was wrapped up, and God showed her this. She sat with that child and worshiped for 30 minutes, and the power of God moved on that child, and that child's face was formed, his eyes were formed in his head. Uh, supernatural acts of God, wonders, miracles. That's just an example of, of the minute you can hear R.W. Schambach talk about things that he saw when he was in meetings, in, in his own healing meetings, as well as the healing ministry uh, that he learned under. I think he was under Brother Branham. But to experience, many of the ministers during that time said, we didn't even have to try to get people healed. It wasn't that we had to work up the crowd or work up a song or work up. He said we would just get in the presence of God and the power would fall. And people would get healed. And, and some people just became healing ministers because they were there. You know, it, was, it wasn't something that up into. They just were in that. I wonder how many people prayed for those. Like Brother Hagin prayed for it. Brother Hagen prayed and then he saw it. He saw what he had been praying for. I don't think he was the only one praying. He said he didn't think he was the only one that prayed those things. Hallelujah. So when we are calling for God's will to be done, we've got to make ourselves available. We've got to make our voice available. The more we grow in our walk with God, the more we mature in our interactions with Him the more our conversation goes not just to what's going on in our life, not just to what we need in this moment, but we began to be interested in what He's doing. We began to have a conversation about what, what He's about, what He's been focusing on. Amen? Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You know, one of my children, uh, both of my older children are, are really good at, at moving the conversation because I will just talk about them and, the, and, and especially my grandbabies. I want to talk about my grandbabies. But, but my son, he'll just move the conversation over. Mom, what are you doing with this? Mom, how's your church going? Mom, this. How's, how's the book going? How's the publishing? And, and he'll move it back over to talk to me. And I'm like, he is a, what a respectful young man. He is, he's not the little boy anymore. He's not the little boy. You know, Jessica's not that little girl just focused on her. They want to find out what's going on in our life. What are, what's going on with us? And our Heavenly Father is about the harvest. Our Heavenly Father is very active in, in, in the world today. Jesus is very much moving in the lives of people and, and saving and rescuing and I want to find out what he's doing. I want to be right in the middle of it. I want to have this conversation to find out what's going on with you. How can I be a part? And as we make ourselves available to pray out the will of God and the plan of God on the earth, we will see God can speak to us about things. He'll speak to us about these. Let's look at Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse... 18. Now, we know this chapter has just gone through the armament of God, the armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all of the armor that he says will give us the ability to stand face to face against the principalities, against the rulers of darkness, against the powers, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. He says we are armed, we are prepared to stand against. And then in verse 18, he says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto. Watching there in prayer. Watching in prayer. Watching thereunto. Watching in, these, in the praying and in the supplication. What am I doing? I'm watching. I'm watching. Well, ladies, when we've got certain things on the stove, it's not time to go fold the clothes in the dryer. Because there are certain things that you need to watch or it's going to stick to the bottom of the pan. You've got to watch it and stir it, right? You've got to watch over it. That there are some things that need supervision in prayer. He says, in this, not just the prayer of faith, but there's supplication intercessions, there are, are the giving of thanks, this, this praying includes our watching. This word watching means to exercise constant vigilance over something, to be intent about a thing. To exercise constant vigilance over something or to be intent about a thing. In prayer, we can be intent about certain things. We can pick things up and we can hold on to them as long as the Holy Spirit is emphasizing that area to us. For those of you who've ever uh, joined us in the corporate prayer, 
one of the things that we've been praying for about a year and a half now is from Psalm 133 about unity. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. One of the emphasis we see in the book of Acts is that they were of one heart, a singleness of purpose, the scripture says. They were of one heart and one mind. They were all in one accord. One accord. That accord, it says in Psalm 133, that this is the place where the commanded blessing goes. The commanded blessing. The, the high priest, the Lord himself, will command a blessing on that place of unity. It says it's the place where the anointing flows. It's like the Aaron, it's like the anointing that ran down Aaron's beard all the way down his garments to the skirt, the lower hem of the garment. In other words, it covers the whole body. The beard recognizes the, the leadership in the church, the staff in the church, those people who are close to the face, the, the fivefold ministry, that anointing running down the high priest, Jesus. Hallelujah. But all through the body, where does it get the heaviest? It gets the heaviest down there at the, in the body. Hallelujah. In the garment. Why? Because it's running down. It's running down, that anointing. He said that's what the, the brethren dwelling together in unity is like. It's where the anointing flows. It's where the anointing flows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I appreciate the live stream capabilities, but if I've learned one thing through this is that it's not the same presence. You might be able to receive the word, but there are things we receive in His presence. There are things that happen when we come together in unity with a desire to hear from God and He's able to speak to us. That's why He said, Do not forsake the assembling, the assembling, the assembling of yourselves, the assembling of yourselves together. Hallelujah. Why? Because there is a corporate anointing. He said, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I've been praying that. We have been praying that. Many of you have been picking that up in prayer with us. We've been praying for that unity. And that unity, the emphasis is not on a lack of division, the emphasis is, number one, that we're all in synchronization with God. That we're in time with Him. We're walking in step with Him. We're in, on His timetable. We're hearing what He's saying. We're acting on what He's saying. We're seeing what He's showing us. The second thing is that we have a unity of vision. The vision on this house is not pastor's vision. The vision on this house is not my vision. First, it became my vision. It's the Lord's vision. It's God. It's Jesus, the head of the church, gave our pastor the vision, and we are now running with what we've been reading as he makes that vision plain. The vision came from Jesus. Hallelujah. The vision and the assignment on this local church body in this time, in this hour, is for his specific it, it, it is uh, something that is not just for the the leadership of the church to walk out every faith builder can pick up this vision of building faith and framing worlds this is not the name of our church it's who you are you are a faith builder you are a part of this vision when David was in cave Abdullam there were men that came to him 
They were in debt. They were distressed. They were discontented. They were tore up from the floor up. But they came and connected to the anointing on David. And the next time you see them, they are defeating an entire host of Philistines. One man, one man defeated an entire host of Philistines just so they couldn't take his lentils. Don't you mess with my pea patch. Just back off my pea patch, you Philistine. One man stood against the Philistine army and fought until his sword and his hand became one. His hand clove. It just became united to his sword. Hallelujah. And they are called mighty men. They weren't mighty when they came, but they were mighty when the anointing on David got on them. And it says in 1 Chronicles that they became mighty as they helped in God's vision for David. They became mighty. So when you come and you say, I'm a faith builder, I'm joining myself to the vision of this church, I'm praying for my church like I'm praying for my life. I'm praying for my church like I pray for my children. I pray for my pastor like I pray for my family. Why? Because I'm connected to what God does in this local church family. And the anointing on the vision that's on the pastor is not for the pastor, it's for the people. It's not supposed to stay on the head, it's supposed to flow to the garments, flow to the whole body. The anointing on pastor is not for pastor, it's for you. It's for me, it's for us. So that we can help carry out what God has called for this church family. So God's will be done in faith builders. God's will be done in faith builders. God's will be done in faith builders. It's not just going to happen. We've got to ask for it. We've got to put ourselves in a place in the spirit where we call for it, where we call for the manifestations of God's power, where we call for the accuracy of the gifts. There are things that God wants to do. He wants us to be interested in them. He wants us to be interested in them. Hallelujah. Watching to be intent upon a thing, to exercise constant vigilance over something. Hallelujah. Constant vigilance. Constant vigilance. Hallelujah. In 1983, Brother Hagen delivered a prophecy, and I found that prophecy on, on a... Rama's website. I think it's from Rama's website that I found this. And I want to read a specific part to you about it. As he was prophesying, he talked about the last days which we're in. And, and let me say this. It has been brought to my attention certain dream or prophecy that, that a, a certain person had. I because the, the, the Spirit of the Lord red flagged me the moment it came up, I chose not to listen to it in obedience to His prompting because I don't need it. It's not for me. And um, then someone sent it to me, and I still didn't watch it because the trusted voices, I knew enough from the person who inquired first if I had heard it, I knew enough from what they said that it was full of things that go contrary to what the trusted voices in my life have said about this time, about these last days. 
And one thing that Pastor brought out, and he may have brought this up last weekend, uh, one thing that he brought to my attention was there are some things uh, that God says for the world that it's not for the church. That's not what we're going to be doing. That's not what we're going to be focusing on. There's some things for the church, there's some things for the world, and there's some things that are meant to be spoken to the nation of Israel, to the, the, the Jews. Well, uh, when this person inquired, did I hear this dream or this uh, prophecy that someone had had, uh, this person said, I'm not a prophet, I'm a pastor, you know, I don't know what this means, and uh, uh, different, you know, it's gone all viral and everything. Well, the Lord told me not to listen to it. And he said, you give your emphasis to what the trusted voices in your life have said about what's supposed to be going on in the last days. So you do with that what you want. But let me tell you, if you listen to something that you're not supposed to listen to, then you've got to expend extra energy to cast it down and to flush it out of your thinking because it's not supposed to be involved in what I'm thinking about. So... If, you, if, if you, you need to be led by the Lord just like I'm led by the Lord. But as your pastor, I'm telling you, he prompted me, don't give my attention to it. Because I don't need to expend extra energy casting down something and having to stand against in faith and defeat that first. And then try to get over into faith about what I'm supposed to be focusing on. So... This is a trusted voice in my life. Things that Brother Hagen has heard from God, think, uh, this uh, coincides with what Smith Wigglesworth prophesied about the last days, what Dr. Ed Dufresne prophesied. People that I know have stood in the office of the prophet to minister to me, what my pastor is speaking about our times, and so what God is doing. Our focus is move. And in this, he goes through and he talks about different things that are going to happen in the last days. He talks about an increase uh, in uh, the uh, um, casting out of demons. He talks about an increase in the divine healing revival, uh, the, the manifestations of the supernatural uh, signs, uh, miraculous things in the spirit. Uh, a great when he says the greatest miracle will be there'll be so many fish caught in the nets that the nets can't hold them. There won't be church houses enough to hold the people. Well, as a church, we need to be ready for that. We need to be ready. We need to be ready for the fish. Be ready for the harvest. There'll be so many fish that the nets can't hold them all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he goes through talking about um, the, the manifestation of the full potential and the ministry gifts of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Can you just stop for a moment and think about that? He is so far into that office. He is so... Why Brother Copeland can minister some things and he's, when he ministers it out of that office, 
it, it carries a weight. It carries an anointing. And when Pastor Caldwell ministers out of that, that gift of the pastor that he has so developed, and, and even though he may not be uh, pastoring a church, that didn't take his office away. He's still in the office. He's pastoring a, he's pastoring a, a state. I mean, he's, he's past, when he gets up and ministers on Arkansas a lot, he's pastoring the state. He gets things and speaks things and reveals things that is coming from that uh, having stood in that office and worked with the equipment in that office, anointing that office. Well, the Lord said there's going to come in the last days a full potential shall come in the ministry gifts. What if every pastor was operating at the full potential in their office of a pastor? What if every evangelist was operating at 100% of the potential that they could operate in in that office? I'm not, there, there is equipment in the office. There are things I have to come to the office and in my kitchen. There are things that I have equipment for there I can't do in the, in, in the church, right? There's, there's kitchen equipment, there's office equipment. There are things in the office of the pastor, the office of the evangelist, the office of the teacher that are meant for the body of Christ and as they come to full potential, the body transforms. The body, he said, he's given these gifts unto men so for the for the establishing of the church, for the establish, so that the saints would not be tossed to and fro, so that there would be a maturing in the body. What if all of these gifts began to operate 100% of the potential available? I mean, I press into that. I, the offices God's called me to, I want to minister to you from... I don't want to minister just out of the, the knowledge I have of that scripture. I want to pull it up out of the office and minister it to your spirit. Now, I'm not talking head to head. I'm not talking my mind to your mind. I'm talking about deep calling unto deep and spirit feeding your spirit. Hallelujah. That takes the help of that office. And then, then the Spirit of the Lord said, but you see, moving into that place of ministry, whether it's full-time ministry or pulpit ministry or personal ministry, whatever your place is in the body of Christ. So that's everybody, not just those who are called to the five-fold ministry, but everybody has a part to play in, what, in God's plan. Prayer is an important, the watching in prayer. Whatever your place is in the body of Christ, moving into that place is fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, and ignited with His glory. Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. It caught him off guard. If you ever heard him give this prophecy, and it's on a recording, if you hear it, it shocks him because he's, he goes on and says, I've never seen it that way before. He, he says, but you see, if there's no fuel there, there's nothing to ignite. Notice the Spirit said, and then this is in parentheses, I never thought of that. It came out of the inside of me, fueled by prayer, 
fired by the Spirit, ignited with His glory. Uh, anybody ever had a gas stove or a kerosene heater? Kerosene heater, you have to turn it on and then you hit the igniter and then the flame comes up, right? Gas stove, you have to push it in, turn it, and when it does, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it, to it turn on the gas line and click the ignition. So that it, you're pushing it in and it's click, click, click until the flame ignites. And he says, that's what he's re, uh, using as an illustration for our prayer, that it's fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Well, if you've ever run out of kerosene or, or something's wrong with the gas line and you're clicking it and it's click, 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 but there's no gas coming out, then the, it cannot ignite. The spirit can be there to ignite it the ignition can be working, but if there's a problem in the fuel or an emptiness of fuel, there's nothing for the Spirit to ignite. And he said it's fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer, ignited, fired by the Spirit and ignited with His glory. Fueled by prayer. He goes on and emphasizes that. You have to stop and analyze that. There's a difference between firing and igniting. It's like the furnace. There's a pilot light there that fires the thing. And when the whole thing has become ignited, then the heat flows out. You can, uh, uh, fueled by prayer, fired by the Spirit, ignited with His glory. And then he again says, I never thought of that. It just flowed up in my spirit. If there's no fuel, there's nothing to fire. If there's no fuel, there's nothing to fire. Fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Hallelujah. Fueled by prayer. There was a certain move of God that took place in what they referred to. And in that Welsh revival, it was such a revival that the bars closed because nobody was going to them anymore. All of the miners, there was a bunch of coal miners in this area in Wales, and all of the coal miners got saved, and none of their donkeys would respond anymore because they had cussed at those donkeys and trained those donkeys to respond to cuss words. <laughs> and now that they're saved, the donkeys don't know what to do. The mules did not know how to respond because the miners weren't cussing at them, couldn't cuss to give them a, a command. I'm serious. It, they shut down the pubs and the brothels and all of the, because no, no one was attending. They were all in church. They were all in church. That was preceded by prayer. It was, it was, like a year and a half of prayer preceding that move. And it wasn't a person's personality or their preaching or their great sermon that got all of those people saved. It was fueled by prayer. Fueled by prayer. Hallelujah. There are assignments for the body of Christ, things for us to pick up in prayer. 
assignments for the watching over of those things. I'm going to close with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's read verses 4 through 6. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch. Again, that watching thereunto. Let us watch. There are... Let me say it this way. Nothing has to catch us off guard. If we'll be in the place of watching, God can bring things to us and put us ahead. It was right at September or October of 2011, and I remember because I had never been on an emptier flight. <laughs> we flew to Birmingham, Alabama to be a part of a meeting that was taking place at a church there. Uh, Brother Copeland was preaching. I think Dr. Savell was preaching. Uh, uh, it was a celebration uh, uh, for Matt Gober. He was uh, uh, nearby in the Canaan land ministry that he had. Uh, there were a lot of different things going on, but we traveled down to be a part of this meeting. And the day, uh, the second day of the meeting, it was uh, during the day, we decided to get out and take a walk, you know, get out of the hotel, go take a walk. And we were walking and praying, you know, just, just lifting up. And we began to pray for our children because uh, our children, we had left uh, our children at home our oldest was a senior in high school, or junior, senior in high school, junior or senior in high school. Um, our, uh, so, you know, we had left the two older ones with a certain uh, uh, family in the church that had other kids their age, and we had uh, left our youngest with a different family member, and we had come to be a part of this conference, and we're praying over our children, and we just really hung at, at Psalm 91 over our children and we just gave a lot of emphasis just at the leading of the Lord to just emphasize Psalm 91 over our children. Well, of course, you know, that was very something in people's hearts and minds right after 9-11. And Brother Copeland was preaching that night and he preached from that text, from 9-11, Psalm 9-1-1, Psalm 9-11. And uh, he he was ministering from that text, and, and it may have been the longest service we had ever sat in in our life. It was, I know, a good three-and-a-half-hour service. And uh, when we got home, it was late, and of course we had fellowship afterwards. They invited us back to be a part of the, the fellowship in the green room of ministers, and, and so we, we uh, fellowshiped with the different uh, pastors and ministers and then we got back to our room and when we walked in our hotel room now of course we had turned our phones off 
in the service. And we walked in the hotel room and about the same time, pastor is turning his phone back on. I looked and saw the light blinking on the hotel room phone. And I'm picking up to listen to the message that's been left as he's getting a message on his cell phone. And we're both getting this message telling us that our oldest daughter had been involved in a car wreck. That her and two other girls from the church had been leaving from the mall and they had turned and turned into the path of an oncoming Mack truck, a cement truck. When the first responders arrived in the ambulance, they made the remark one to another, we may just need body bags. I'm not sure if anybody has survived. The car was so mangled the parent of the girl driving, when they arrived, the girl's license plate said C-U-N-H-B-N. And that was, the mother looked at her daughter's license plate that says, that's what they had picked, you know, as a, 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 a specialized license plate, C-U-N-H-B-N. And she fell apart looking at the car, seeing that license plate. She crumbled. All three of the girls in that car walked out. My daughter had stitches in her leg that was, and, and a concussion, but they were all released from the hospital. We were watching and didn't know what we were watching of over in prayer, but we just knew to pick that up. We just knew to pick that up and to pray it. We knew to, to, to just be intent about that. Remember what watching means, to be intent about something, to be vigilant over it. We had just been intent about it, not having all of the details, not needing all of the details. Brother Hagen talks about a time that he was in from a meeting. They only had like a day or two in between their meetings and he was running around doing all of the things that he needed to do before the, him and his wife went back on the road. And so he's doing errands and, you know, paying these bills and taking care of, of different things at the house before he goes back on the road. And he kept sensing somebody being thrown from the car. And he said, I, I just sensed this, this sense of being thrown from the car. It wasn't God showing him in like a vision or anything. He said, I just had a sense of being thrown from the car. So the next day when they're getting ready to go back on the road, he tells his wife, now this was before seatbelt laws. Seatbelts were optional. He says, Aretha, put your seatbelt on. And she said, we don't wear seatbelts. Why are you telling me to wear my seatbelt? And he said, I just have a feeling. I just sent somebody being thrown from a car. He said, that's all I did with it. It was all I did with it. Three days later, he's at the meeting where they're at and they get a phone call and his niece had been thrown from their car and died. And he recognized that's what God was trying to tell me. That's what God was trying to show me and I didn't pray about it. 
I, I, he just kind of just, oh, Lord, protect us. And didn't go deeper into the Spirit, didn't spend more time there until it became a little bit more clear. We've got to recognize some of these things. This is the sensitivity that we need in the watching. That we need to have enough... First of all, we need to have enough time that we're not rushing through our conversations with God. If we're rushing through, there may be things that He would have to interrupt us to tell us, and He won't. He's not going to interrupt us. We need to have that opportunity to, to, to sense the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to impress. Because many of the things of the Spirit are, are impressions. They're impressions. I've heard people use... Um, I've heard Billy Brim say that she would hear a phone ring or hear a knock on the door. And it wouldn't be a knock on the door in her house. It would be the spirit knocking. Hearing the phone ring, you're supposed to answer it. You remember when, when um, Samuel heard the voice and thought it was Eli. And he went to Eli and Eli said, it's not me, go back to bed. And he went back to bed and again he heard the voice and he came to Eli and Eli said, it's not me, go back to bed. And the third time he said, the next time you hear that say, here I am, your servant is listening. Respond. If he had not responded, he would not have gotten any more. He would not have gotten any more detail. That's why when we hear the, the prompting, when we have the impression, we need to be so, we need to be sensitive enough to stop and spend some time there. Watch over that. Be intent about that thing. Come back to it. If you're busy at that moment, say, you know what, Lord? I'm, go I'm going to keep myself in a place to hear that. I'm going to keep myself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep inquiring about that. What is it you're trying to show me? What is it you need me to see? Brother Caps, and I know this sounds very simple, but I wrote this down because it impacted me. He said, when you ask God something, spend some time praying in the Spirit after that. When you ask Him, pray in the Spirit, because when you're praying in the Spirit, you can pull things up. And the answer... And so you've got to, we've got to be sensitive enough that if there comes a prompting that we know the difference between something the enemy's trying to make us fear and something the Lord is trying to give us advanced knowledge of so that we can pray it away. So that we can pray it away. Hallelujah. 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 When we became available for the church in Kansas. There had been a group of ladies, Pastor Marie, pa uh, Kathleen Mumal, Kathleen's mother, uh, Jean Tillery. They had been meeting together for prayer and praying for God to send someone who was bold, who could get that church in the direction that God wanted it to go because it had been deacon run. And, and run by the, the gossips 
in the church for a number of years and they wanted to see a move of God there. They wanted to see God do some things and so uh, they began to pray. And um, when Pastor went to meet with the board of the church, the other pastor was retiring. And Pastor went and we had been assistant, he had been an assistant pastor at another church and God had moved us out of that church and we had just been, he had been doing some ministering in uh, different, like an evangelistic kind, kind of, of going to different meetings and really just wanting what God wanted. And somebody said, this church is coming available. The pastor is retiring. You should go. And so they called and asked if we, he would come and minister. And he was preaching a sermon called right where you don't want to be, when God said to him, make yourself available to pastor this church. And the pastor took us through the church and showed us the church and, and said, I'm retiring. And, and so uh, the Lord directed him to make himself available. And the day he was going to meet with the board, the deacon board, um, the Lord said to him, they're going to ask you this question and this is what you will say. And there had been some other people who had come and they had asked the other people the same question. The, the previous applicant uh, inquiry, they had asked this person uh, um, the same question uh, of, uh, do you believe this is the will of God for you to pastor this church. It was something to that effect. And the other one said, well, if you want me, I'm available. If not, I'm going to move to Florida and go on the beach or something like that. He just, it was kind of like, you know, I can take it or leave it. Well, when they asked pastor, he answered specifically with what God had told him. And it was a confirmation for what this certain deacon who had asked, it was actually Pastor Marie. Uh, who she had asked, it was a confirmation because it was exactly what she needed to hear. He said, if you uh, accept me as your pastor, you'll be in the will of God, and if you don't, you're missing it. <laughs> he didn't know they wanted somebody bold. They wanted somebody who knew this is definitely what God is called. Well, we had been there about a year. And it, it was still set up at that time that they would vote every year whether they were going to keep the pastor or not. <laughs> and it came time for the, the vote, and it was about a week before the vote. And there was, by this time, there were some people that had become uh, put out with some of the boldness that was being preached. And one of the things was uh, that Jesus was born a man. There were some people that had such an issue with it that they tried to buy the tape that he, where he had preached it and tried to, tried to use his words to say that Jesus wasn't the Son of God. And he, he, he had been clear enough that yes, Jesus was 100% the Son of God, yet He came 100% as a man. He stripped Himself. Well, they, they were put out with that. 
And uh, there were some other things that he was doing that they didn't like. There were some people who left because we took the pews out. They were falling apart. When you sat in them, they, one pew fell with the whole family sitting on it. I mean, just crumpled. And so we got some nice chairs and there were people who said, I'm going to the Baptist church where they have pews. And then when we, when we took the hymnals out and put, oh my goodness, you would have thought we had backslid for sure when we took the hymnals out. So there were some things going on. And pastor, he said, he said, I was in my study studying for the message and all of a sudden I looked up and on the wall opened before me, I saw sister so-and-so and God showed this sister picking up her phone and calling and he could see the image of the person who answered on the other end and he heard what they were saying about him. And they were calling and telling each other how to vote. That the vote is going to go on and this is how you need to vote and this is how everybody's going to vote and they were all conspiring to vote him out. And God revealed it to him. And so the night came for the vote, and he said, uh, it's Wednesday night, and we're going to have church. And they said, well, we're voting tonight. And he said, well, you can vote. I'll sit right here on the pew, and when you're done voting, we're going to preach. And they said, no, we don't have service on voting night. And he said, we do if I'm the pastor. If we're here, we're going to preach the word. We're not just going to come vote and everybody go home without the word. We're going to have the word. And they said, well, you can't stay in here while we vote and he said yes I can there's nothing in the bylaws that says I have to leave the room while you vote so go ahead and vote I'm just gonna stay right here we're gonna preach the word <laughs> but because God had showed it to him there were some things that we were able to do in prayer to stop what was being conspired and to to pray for the will of God to be done if that had not been revealed if, if he had not been sensitive to that, then it would have just continued with that same stronghold of, of people manipulating and, and running things to fit their standard, to fit what they wanted. And it was, uh, it was supernatural how God put us out ahead, put us out ahead. And that's what God wants to do in your life. I believe every person who walked into the Twin Towers, I believe God tried to talk to all of them. I do. I believe that with all my heart. I do not believe there was one person that went in that, that God didn't try to warn them. There were too many people that, that said, I heard a voice as I was walking in the door and I turned around and ran. I sensed in my heart to take a, a personal day that day. I don't know why, but I just called into work. I don't know why, but I took the long way and got caught in a traffic jam. They, there, were, there were so many uh, people who did hear. Does that mean the people who didn't hear or respond were evil people? No, they may just have not been sensitive. They may not have had ears to hear. And that's why Jesus said, and the scripture says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And I've taken longer than usual this morning. And you'll be good and hungry when you get to the, wherever you're going to eat today. But, but hear my heart. Hear my heart. 
We want to be ahead, and the Holy Spirit wants you to be ahead. He does not want you to ever be caught off guard by any. He'll tell you everything the devil's planning if you'll listen. He'll put you ahead. You'll, you'll find yourself prepared, and, st- and you'll be like, well, I don't know why I need this. I don't know why I'm listening to this. I don't know why I'm feeding on these scriptures. Uh, Pastor Steele brought out something to me the other day. He said, you know, they, they tell, uh, Brother Copeland tells the story about the man, and I look at me, I'm closing. You see me trying to close? About the man who gave his testimony in the full gospel businessmen's. Many times there was a man who was in an airplane and the airplane caught on fire. They were, they were landing and, and hit. Uh, they were landing to refuel and hit a plane that had just refueled. And he could see the ball of fire as it started at the front of the, of the vestibule of the, uh, of the uh, airplane. It started at the front and it's coming towards him. He could he- smell people's hair and skin burning. And he opened his mouth and said, Jesus, and suddenly he's standing outside. This man gave his testimony many times in the full gospel business meeting. Suddenly, suddenly, he doesn't know how he got there. I mean, we know an angel or something picked him up. God translated him out. Somehow, one minute he's in the seat and the fire's coming towards him and the next minute he's standing outside watching it. But one thing about that testimony, he had been meditating on the scripture, I will walk through the fire and not be burned. I will walk through the flood and it shall not overflow me. That had been in him for weeks and months before that happened. He had been putting that in his eyes, in his ears, in his mouth for weeks and months in advance, not knowing why. Not knowing why he continually came to that scripture. Because he needed faith for, he needed to say in advance, the fire will not burn me. The fire will not kindle upon me. How many times had he said that already in faith, declaring that scripture, not realizing it, he was saying it to preserve his life? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for us every time. He wants to have us so prepared that there's not one thing the enemy can do successfully against us. Stand with me to your feet. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for how you've ministered to us.